Hey guys, G here. Welcome to the Elemental Awakening Podcast. Today i got a very special guest, a friend of mine. She is an intergalactic artist who also does digital art, physical manifestations and creations. She's also a psychedelic educator, an advocate and founder of the Medicine House of Canada. Her name is B-Star. Welcome, B-Star. Ahoy, ahoy. Thank you so much, Gio. Um, I, was, I was lucky enough to be introduced to B-Star um, a couple years ago now, I think, and... Um, she was a sitter for me on a journey with uh, 5-MeO-DMT, the first time I'd ever experienced it. And it was one of the most profound experiences of my life. Um, so I just want to open by thanking you for being there for me in that moment. And when I listen to the recording, I still get uh, sweaty palms. It brings me back to that moment of the before and after, before having the experience and after. Um, so, you know, a sitter, I said the word sitter, is... Uh, traditionally someone who sits through uh, and watches over I guess a psychedelic experience to make sure that the person um, is safe Um, but it goes a little bit beyond that I know you use some different terminology so how would you um, I might might call it something like a witness someone is is holding space but um, really taking care of the the trust that is afforded when two people come together and open in that level of intimacy with one another. So in turn, I just want to actually thank you, Dio, for your contribution for showing up that day and and making your vote count, because I think in the psychic field, all of us that are dialing in and switching on are actually changing, metamorphosizing the uh, potentiality of this activation sequence or this awakening process that's taking place in species. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm a huge believer that you know every time someone has a psychedelic experience, the vibration of the planet, just even if it's a the minutest of ticks, it, it moves. The needle moves a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you see this a lot with the work that you do, you know, people's lives changing in, in an instant, maybe over time. But before we get into some of that, just tell me a bit about your story. Like, how did you yourself find um, plant medicine or psychedelics in your life that, as a transformational tool um, that's become, you know, that witness sort of support mechanism that you have sort of become and you know what sort of led up to that you know I'd love to to know more about I know you shared some of your story with me and and the parts you feel open and comfortable with you don't have to tell the stuff that you don't feel but well there's like a cliff notes version or there's a little bit of a longer view we can take a scenic tour if you're okay with it I can just kind of shimmy through and and popcorn out here on the timeline but I'd say really ultimately uh, when I was about seven or eight years old I was outside playing and um there was like, uh, I guess they're called like great Canadian toads and it's not to be confused with the, the bufos and the snoring desert toad. But anyway, um, I had, uh, been playing with this toad and I guess the, the secretions of venom or whatever was on it. And I rubbed my eyes and I remember this rainbow appeared before me, this prismatic rainbow. There's these little beings and I ran home like full tilt and I was like, dad, dad, like, whoa, you know, and he just put a cold compress on my eyes and. That, that was a pivot that day. You know, something inside of me knew that was more than meets these two eyes. And um, I didn't have the language, of course, back then. And so when we fast forward to about 13, 14, I, probably, yeah, probably 14 when I was, yeah, first year of high school, uh, I was told that I could get access to some magic mushrooms. And uh, there was supposed to be enough for two. But the guy came in and he said, well, I only get enough for one here. So probably about maybe a gram and a half or something. 
I immediately popped it in my mouth before my friend could come and grab some. And uh, I was at school um, by myself, just tripping hard and looking in the mirror in the bathroom and just like affirming and confirming that this is it. Like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. For me at the time, it was about escaping the reality. And so I spent many years going down what would then not be known, but for me now in retrospect would be more of a shadow path, you know, uh, experimenting with drugs, not reverentially or in celebration of self, but more of just kind of bypassing some of the uh, uncomfortable feelings that I was feeling uh, during that time. So I went in the rave scene real deep, lots of MDMA, lots of LSD, um, lots of mushrooms. And then, uh, you know, we get to a point where uh, I'm, I'm getting really close to uh, illness, physically, spiritually bankrupt, you know, my body is like, I'm probably about 98 pounds soaking wet, more wow. point, full face of acne, not eating anything, and so I'm selling, and uh, I just said, you know, I gotta, I gotta make a different choice now, so I went cold turkey, um, and it took me about three years to click back into a more balanced uh, alignment where I was able to attract a book by Graham Hancock, uh, a good old pal of ours, and uh, he's uh, really transformed everything for me. That book um, had the word ayahuasca, which lifted off the, the page, and I'm stone cold sober at this time, so when that vision came to me, I was like, okay, what is this? You know, let me go deep mm -hmm. here and, and find out. And I, I, what you know, is this? What? I that. It's like something is just like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was I was at kind of like at a crossroads where like if this was going to be the life I was going to live, I, I was ready to just peace out, you know, I'm kind of not really digging this vibe. So when um, I met the shaman eventually that would serve me the first time, which by the way was just in and around the Toronto area, um, there's so many things could have gone so right, like the person I was going to go with bailed out on me at the last minute and I had to, you know, finagle ride, even running to the door. I remember the, the shaman said, once the door's closed, you're not getting in. Um, but I managed to run a hundred meter dash and just squeeze in before the door closed. And that night just radicalized and revolutionized everything. It showed me that, you know, ultimately I was divine, uh, that I had everything I needed within me. And, uh, I, prostrated myself there um, and I spent the next 10 years like really getting to know this medicine uh, and its variables uh, to to commit I said please show me guide me teach me heal me I'm here in service to you mm. and from that on everything started flowering from there wow <laughs> um, yeah it's always there's always something special about that first experience you know and, and some people it's like a rough like awakening a rude awakening some people it's like a gentle sort of like initiation um was it a mix of the two for you one or the other like were there periods of like i want to die like what what did I, why did i do this mm, or no. was it was it just open the door and say like you've come home here we go that's it like the first uh the first vision was two hands coming in asking me to bow and uh this is not coming this is from a person who doesn't like obedience and <laughs> sacred rebel all the way right so i was like okay all right what's this and then uh, a lotus appears buddha on the lotus looking to me i uh you know look a little bit closer i'm kind of like squeegeeing my third eye i'm like what what i see it's buddha's a girl and i'm like what and then i look again and then it's like buddha is me i'm looking at myself mm. And uh, Buddha 
me asked uh, for me to get down and not to look up. And this brilliant light just washed me clear. Uh, my eyes even were searing just from, you know, being lowered eyes. I could still feel all that light coming through. And then a dragon, uh, like a mechanical dragon, surrounded me. And then I got led finally to uh, these last two pieces where there were, um, it's, now I know them probably the Koji out in Colombia. They were wearing white with white hats and they were dancing for me and they were tipping their hats and they were saying, da 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 da, pointing my, to my purge cup. They're like, da 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 da, come on. And so I got on all fours and in that moment I, I, I came into a, a sacred power of my animal totem, which is Jag, Jaguar. And I saw the Jaguar paws appear and as I was purging, it wasn't like a, a vomit sound, it was just like a. There's a really low growl of this, whatever you might call it, a sacred you know, toxin, because at the time I didn't know, the shaman after asked me to ask the medicine what it was, and it was years of self-loathing and, mm. and denial and betrayal and manipulation, and yeah, so I just got uh, very cleaned out that one night and I continued on in the process of purification. Mm. Incredible. And so where did the journey go from there? Like from the ayahuasca, it was a lot of ayahuasca for a lot of years and then... Peppered in with ayahuasca was lots of mushroom journeys and I mean certainly um, reclaiming uh, my connection with MDMA um, in a medicinal capacity. So now the lexicon is changing. I'm, I'm, I'm creating a new um, framework in language to understand that these are not just places to... Uh, run away from you know some of the shadow that uh, was still coming up a lot and still to this day is I think I don't know if there's ever a complete uh, cl clearing there, but uh, I Came across uh, NNDMT um, I met I was actually at the Vine of a Soul uh, Documentary and I was sitting beside a, a biochemist and we, we hit it off like that that night We ended up going to my place and doing some salvia and uh, we just yeah, we just got along like gangbusters and yeah, that's that's one I haven't um, Had the courage to entertain yet um, Salvia I've heard it's pretty intense. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. depending on the extract or if you're gonna do it like uh, Hamilton from uh, Hamilton's pharmacopoeia on vice you can drink it as well and uh, I think it's called the shepherdess so you can. And it lasts longer. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's more in the plant orientation versus getting the extract, which mm. can be very. Is it like a full dissolution? Like things start turning upside down. And... Yes, and and and, and erratic because like a lot of my uh, salvia journeys have been a mixed bag. You know, sometimes they can be absolute hysterical, and you can be like, you know, finding yourself um, on the ground just laughing and and in that dissolution and other times um, yeah it can be a little bit more shattering and uh, confrontational and what do you find like what kind of um, benefits do you find from the salvia is it like a teacher is it like a takeaway is it more of just like a feeling you feel after like a release is there any mm, well anything with like extracts I find they're not they're not like plant uh, or earth medicines where there is a sense of guidance built into them it's more of like a self-initiation and you get to toggle as your inner navigator and and you know create relationship to what your experience is so uh, for me i've 
always uh, found myself to be psychonautically inclined. I don't mind going into these quantum places that have no uh, mapping for, you know, I, I have always like, like pushing beyond um, my comfort in order to bring back sort of these uh, gems and baubles for those who may or may not ever take the trip. So what, what would you describe it as? Is there a way to visually describe like some of the experiences? Like, can you remember one that really stands out with salvia yeah yeah um gosh <laughs> so yeah there's one time when we did it in a group um and all of us it was probably about seven or eight of us and then we just kept passing the bong and somebody was filling it and then they were the last person to take it and there was um like a stereo system in the middle and then it came on with music and as people were um, going deeper into it, the wavelets of the music all carried us naturally. Like there was no planning here; it just organically we all merged in the circle, and we began like oming and using different vowel sets to kind of create um, I don't know punctuations with the sound. And then you know, medicine's wearing off at this point, and we're all lo looking around, and we had no idea how we got there, but the music had you know called us mm. to. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Amazing. Um, I, I, I should probably know this, but is salvia used traditionally in any sort of um, tribal settings or, or mm -hmm. medicinally? Do you know of any? Well, I I'm know that sure. in Mexico that they do this. I mean, this is not my wheelhouse, but I, I, I do know just from having watched that doc, I think it's probably the an episode on the second season, but. Uh, yeah, he goes to Mexico, and I, I know that they've been working with the shepherdess for a while, and that there is a, a divine um, connection that is understood there mm. versus how we um, hear. Interesting. It's like the more you sort of dive deep, there's so many subcultures that are very like like ayahuasca was 30, 40 years ago. These mm. these hallucinogenic or um, ethnogenic eth entheogenic substances or whatever terminology you want to use that have been used for forever almost that you know create these connections to you know spirit world or your higher self whatever you want to call it it's just it blows my mind um even like going into like some of the religions i was listening to um kalindi e. who passed away recently um he was a african living in detroit um who I would do these mega doses of psilocybin. Everybody's talking about how at one point Africa and South America were connected in Pangaea millions and millions of years ago. So a lot of the same species are there. And there's, you know, in South Africa alone, there's 300 psychedelic uh, plants that exist. And most of the traditions there, it's very secretive. You know, they, mm. they don't want to tell. It's not a, like, it's, it's actually, um, I wouldn't say a sin. They probably wouldn't call it that, but, you know, secretive. You know, you keep it a secret. You don't, you don't share that information. So I wonder how many other cultures they talk about. He was mentioning also about, like, some of the, um, the Shaolin monks. And I haven't verified this other than the videos I've watched of him. But when they talk about these types of like flying through the air and these types of like crazy battles, they would be having these battles on the other side. Yeah. With they Soma. would be, they yes. would be taking Soma, they'd be taking psilocybin mushrooms in Greece. and, and they would have these virtual battles on the other side where they can fly and do all these disappearing things. So yes. it's super interesting when you start seeing some of the mythology and the lore and you start really having a different perspective when you add psychedelics into the mix, which have been scrubbed from the history books. It's like, mm. start putting these back in place and, 
And I know even, you know, the shamans in South America talk about the same thing, you know, fighting in the other world. They have these spiritual darts and they have these battles and mm-hmm. super interesting stuff. But anyways, I'm sidetracking here. <laughs> um, okay. So, so, so yeah, so your journey is about 10 years, starting to experiment with different um, substances. You end up meeting this chemist who, mm-hmm. I guess, starts the conversation about um, NNDMT. Is that where you were going? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'd already done it at this point, but, you know... Um, getting closer contact with it and communion, communion with it allowed me to really dive deep and, and start training, so to speak, going in my, my flow dojo. And, that, you know, um, in those earlier stages, I would say I was maybe working more in, like, DMT light. And then, you know, I started kind of ramping up in, in the volume and frequency and then really started clearing out some some of the myths within myself using the visual acuity of these um, molecules to kind of uh, see the unseeable, the things that are often, um, you know, out of sight, they're blind spots and obfuscations that we carry. And now we get to um, bring them, to disseminate them, to unpack them, to deconstruct or dissolve them possibly Mm -hmm. even. Yeah, you know, I, I always struggle. Well, I've only done a breakthrough dose of NNDMT once. Yeah. Um, and then someone gave me uh, something, like a, like a pen once that I experimented with a little bit, but it wasn't really, it wasn't my thing. Mm. Um, but the one breakthrough dose that I had smoked um, with a friend was the first time. Um, it was so intense. Like, I couldn't make sense of it. It was overwhelming. It was... Something that I didn't I'm still, this was probably like five, six years ago, I haven't felt called back to. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and so when people talk to me about working with um, NNDMT, it's like I find it almost, I can't understand how they do that and, and extract stuff out of it. And maybe I just didn't give it enough um, of a chance, of, or maybe it wasn't that full breakthrough where I can go to a place where I could learn. Because um, with five, on the other hand, um, I've had a few breakthrough experiences. And although it's not a non-verbal experience where like ayahuasca is like you start like having these lessons and there's a conversation going on or some things can be revealed. This was just like a pure knowing. It was like the five was like you get to this place and it was just like washes away the doubt and the fear and mm-hmm. gives you this sort of oneness feeling of what's beyond, you know, this physicality. And, you know, although there's no like lesson that I would t- I, I've taken away because I've never seen anything people talk about seeing things on the five I've never seen any like people or anything like that it's just this white intense shimmering light yeah I feel different there's a different sense of confidence of knowing it's more of a knowing than mm-hmm. like an uh, I guess like a theoretical understanding or anything like that mm-hmm. so anyways I packed a lot into that one question but I guess what I'm trying to get at is you know for someone who has a lot more experience with the NN can you explain a little bit about how you've worked with it and how you know, you've extracted or had some of these realizations about, you know, shedding those layers of yourself that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, NN is not everybody's cup of tea, that's for damn sure. And uh, if I were to anthropomorphize it, it's definitely a, a, a harsh uh, teacher in, in the sense that it's like, uh, I call it in, in French, like, l'enfant terrible. It's like the wild child of the bunch. You never know, you can't anticipate, you can't predict where it wants to take you. So you have to be really willing to uh, surrender your humanness there for a moment and get on the magic carpet ride wherever it wants to go it's going to take you and so 
there's trust that's built over time by showing up to it. Um, certainly, uh, I hate using this term around it, but I just put it out there just so that we can have the full discussion and dialogue about it. I've been mind raped by it twice, and I know that that's like one of the most uncomfortable things that I've ever undergone, but uh, whether or not I'm a glutton for punishment or whatever, is, <laughs> there's lots Psycho of... Psychonaut code when you can't get enough. Um, you want to expand on one of those experiences a little bit more? Like what, yeah. what, what it felt like, how it, what, what that how you felt after during the experience mm. to, to get that sort of put into that classification. Yeah, this one's going mm-hmm. into this category here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in, in that case, like in, when NN wants you, it doesn't matter even how much you inhale. Like sometimes you need, you need as uh, McKenna would say the good four to like really crystallize it in the, in the deepest, most profound full release experience. But sometimes, uh, no, it's like it communicates very cleanly with you and, and slices and dices you. So for me, it was two, two inhales in. Um, my apartment goes jungle style. Uh, there's this big... Eyes open, eyes closed. Eyes open, eyes open. Thankfully, um, my cat Dinky was there. So that gave me some... <laughs> provided me some relief uh, that I wasn't going totally bananas. And it just started throbbing and pulsating these zigzag red lines of like alert alert like pay attention pay attention the thing that it was pointing me to was this living breathing heart in the middle of my apartment on the floor and it was pachamama it was the earth communicating to me all of the pain all the all of the things that we as humans had you know done in terms of the the raping the pillaging the torturing the violence the murder all of the uh, war all of that came like a thunderclap and i felt it in in my body and it just it broke me i shattered and um i couldn't stop it either it was like it was felt like i was in there for a very very long time um so I, uh, again, uh, back to the, the grace of surrender, just gave myself over to the experience and, and, and shed a part of, of my idealization of what I think I am to what, what, what I am doing here, why I, I would have chosen this body, this avatar, this mission, and that I am in service to this planet. I am in service to something greater in, in the cosmic order. And uh, yeah, that, that was uh, just such a blessing uh, after the you know, the intensity subsided, just being able to, to sit with that and let that um, integrate. I mean, I'm still to this day probably integrating that one. That one mm. was really profound. Wow. And, and like, how do you feel even like after that? Is it like, mm. like fear the next time you, you, yeah. you, you go to the pipe and it's like, it's okay. I, I don't think I want that again. But oh. you know, like, I know it's not for me specifically with ayahuasca. It's never what you want. It's mm. always what you need. And and sometimes, you know, the, the scariest bad trips with or whatever you want to call them, it's exactly what you need. You know, yeah. it's exactly what you need and it's your interpretation of that, you know, that it makes it bad or good or whatever. Um, but it's trying to show you something. It's trying to bring something up. It's trying to allow you to feel something that maybe you, you weren't able to feel or perceive or see before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's exactly that. And, and there's a lot of deep-seated um denial within the microcosmic being and then the macrocosmic global mind body that we carry as a whole that we're here also um cleansing and and cleaning so 
Yeah, like um, just to quickly go into another example of like, not because I, I want to bring any fear to people trying and exploring these medicines, but I want them to know like the personal responsibility that comes from like really. Un- well, yeah, these are yeah. yeah. I think I think we, we mentioned we talked about this before we turned the camera on, but um, you know, it's it's not like a tourism thing where it's like oh I want to try that or you know like that would sounds like fun or that sounds cool. First of all, I think it's like a calling. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're ready to make some sort of shift in your life or maybe not ready, but there's something inside of you that's pulling you to sort of um, a curiosity it can be for some people or a need or de- a desperation to really make some serious changes or to have your mind open and expanded. Um, but not just like, hey, I want to try that. That'd be fun, like a party or, or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Because there's a responsibility that comes with it. Um, a certain level of, I guess, seriousness maybe it might be okay word probably not the best word but responsibility and then like you know like once you start making that commitment you know your life may change in many ways after you know (laughs) yeah will will yes will so yeah maybe you want to touch on that from Mm -hmm. your own experience or some of the people that you've bared witness for and and yeah Mm -hmm. talk a bit about yeah i mean uh, probably um, about five to ten percent of the guests that um i see are Really, people who have had um, a trauma-induced uh, experience with DMT or five, you know, uh, out at an event or a party, um, thinking, and and of course, this is uh, back to pe- anybody who would have one of these pens must declare what they are giving and offering somebody. Um, that isn't always the case. So some people mistake it for cannabis. Mm-hmm. They're just you know having a good old time at a party. They take a big hit and boom. Maybe they're drinking dissolve right or, into the... know, horrible setting and all that oh, kind of things. Completely. I mean it's 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 very arresting and um and so we have to go back and 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 re-experience that i call it spirit you know uh, resetting the spiritual bone we have to reset it and let it heal properly so that we we usually go in at you know threshold doses or moderate doses at most in order to reclaim your footing so to speak and and um, allow for what i also call the willful surrender instead of the medicine doing all the work for you that you're kind of in and out in and allowing that so that it can clear it uh, a path so that you can then ultimately make that decision to just show up and let the medicine bring you where it needs to take you uh, after some work of, of doing that so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as you said some so five ten percent have had these traumatic yeah. psychedelic experiences yes. so so explain like what happens to someone after an experience like that is it like mm. I mean, it takes them a long time even to, to come up to the altar and, and ask to review that or want to understand or, or make meaning from it. Um, so, you know, um, having, you know, the, the conversation with them about what's possible and, and going back in that space and um, not making it a one-off like that that is always going to be the experience to really understand that there's always new um peeling backs um and that if that experience happened to them that ultimately it was part of you know owning whether we can call it karma or dharma you know we're all here and you know experiencing what we need to and and that's part of the maturation of what psychedelics gives us if you really want to take the charge of, of the psychedelic it, it comes with 
every uh, good, bad, and perhaps even ugly, because truth isn't always, you know, shiny and, mm -hmm. and rainbow dust. It has some dark edges, but when you take that medicine um, all the way in willingly, there's a certain alchemy uh, that allows you to see your part in the process you're collaborating with it and this is very empowering so one person can come in a very disengaged disheartened disempowered space and leave within three hours a completely you know revitalized um you know reconnected mm -hmm. soulful being mm -hmm. and then i guess in general like what kind of transformations have you seen with people like um Oh man, it's a range. Of course, you know I've probably seen uh, uh, I'm going to say probably around 1,400 people, um, uh, and it depends on where you're at in your uh, state of consciousness. And not to create hierarchy, but it, there is definitely stages of remembering, willingness, and understanding. Um, and uh, I've seen people galactivate in front of me. Galactivate. That's a term I'm using because. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, they just pop off and it's like whatever little veils and layers that they were wearing are just gone and they're just, they just got naked with the mystery and it's freaking amazing to be able to, to see that and, and to participate in that and to know that that's possible, that miracles are real, mm -hmm. you know, that you can have somebody who is like, thinking that they're they want you know they want to they want to off themselves they want they're talking about suicide in one breath and then a couple hours later they're just like i'm ready to permission pass everything in my life and just do live mm. the best life possible um and then there's decompartment decompartmentalizations um, these are the ones that do it in a very slow methodical way as they know it is their process their life path isn't about running off the precipice and leaping Woo! you know they're no they're like the type of person that's like hmm is there a staircase i can take down here and just kind of dip mm. my toe in and then keep moving a little bit deeper and deeper into the oceanic oneness and uh so i'm there for wherever you land on that range but uh yeah most people um especially now like this is probably year six or so six and a half that of service um, I've seen uh, what I would call a phenomena take place of year one was more about neophytes and, and, and going through all of the medicines and, and, and having them understand what they were under, undertaking, whereas now people are coming to me and educating me. It's amazing. I'm like, wow, okay, you got, you got your, your, your knowledge uh, hack here. They, they, they've researched it all the way or they've had people who have had multiple experiences around them or they have had a few and now they're ready to you know, um, co-conceive and, and, and rebirth. Wow. Yeah. So when, when was your first experience with the toad, with uh, mm. Bufo, Alvarez or 5-MeO DMT? Yeah, I was toad for me uh, first couple times, and then I went to Molecule, Pure Molecule. Uh, toad was in Muskoka, and we were in this thing called the Galactic Gazebo. Uh, there was uh, five, uh, five, was one, yeah, five of us, and then this, the, the medicine men. Man, that is, that was a game changer for me for sure. You know, like I had, I would always say that there was these spiral pivots that were happening, especially when I went from drug to medicine with Aya and then DMT, and and then here comes this like nexus point where 
I take the first inhale. So the way he delivered it was just take a, a, a little uh, small dose first just to see if you like it and get a feel for it. And then we take a larger dose. And so I loved it right away. I was just like, yes. And so I was like, please. And like, let's go. And so he gave me the next dose right away. And it was... Okay, so one thing yeah. is that like the first dose is... Yeah. Is a totally different experience than the full dose. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, you feel that warmth. It's like, oh, this is good. I love this. It's oh, yeah. warm and fuzzy. And the next nice one is like, yeah. Then yeah, exactly. The cherries popped. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't unring that bell when you go through mm-hmm. the the pinhole of light. And that's what it was. It was like, I had momentary awareness that I had seen all of my ayahuasca journeys. I lived them simultaneously and concurrently to all my NNDMT journeys. I was kind of going up these steps and then I went right through and it was like a sound of like really high pitched E like tone like and and then I hit this master mandala and then there was all these different beings uh, that I would call, you know, sages or mystics or guides or, you know, uh, shamans, whatever, that were all looking at me and they're just oh, undulating peace and love into my um, dissolved body. I mean, so it's like, I don't want to call it my because there was no meanness, no B star there. It was just the uh, unadulterated consciousness receiving uh, remembrance that I am that. Mm. not separate it was like a superposition moment if you want to use quantum physics to kind of relay um some of this stuff verbally because as we know it's ineffable uh so this is just a little grain of salt of what i can afford you here um and then uh it was a whiteout moment i don't remember after that uh, i came to and uh honestly when i came back and i thought i was going to be buck fucking naked i thought <laughs> i had no Where idea what, <laughs> it was like i was just so stripped and raw of like sh- shimming out of this flesh costume thing and, and it was like wow and they were just there peacefully waiting for me and loving me and we had a you know cuddle puddle and and these beautiful tones started coming out of my 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 vocal channel my my throat chakra as well so i had another activation there and then um yeah it was just such a profound gift yeah and how did you notice any changes in your life after that first experience like where did you feel different did the world look different anything that yeah i had timeline jump Mm-hmm. This is something that uh, I share with uh, very few people, but a timeline jump is something that uh, is hard to quantify because it has to happen to you before you can actually understand it. And even that, even by understanding, it's hard to again express it. But I came home and um, I got this uh, sort of download, like call your mom and dad. And I was like, you know, like, honestly, no, um, I, I need to integrate. I, I don't even know what the hell happened to me. I'm not going to call mom and dad. It's like, call mom and dad. I'm like, okay i will i picked up the phone and literally the first ring my mom picks up and uh that was weird and uh she says brigitte um you know like me and your dad want to apologize and say thank you and i said for what i was really like floored i don't hear this often nor have i don't think i ever heard it before in my life and they said um we have decided after years of you trumpeting the vegan movement to go vegan and this just curled my toes like i i was just 
absolutely amazed that like I had spent a decade educating and trying to bring them into because they've been you know eating unconsciously and, and not feeling too well and then all of a sudden uh, they just got the, the message and to me that was a deeper message it wasn't even just about that they had agreed to go plant-based it was just like oh my god I've entered a new reality set mm. here because I, I had literally given up on that mm. I just said like let it go and moved on so I knew then that there was something that had and been... even the message to call and they actually had something to share it's like you know well, how does that happen yeah. Yes. How does that happen? To not deny these miracles, to not just tuck them away neatly, that these are disruptions and they're meant to be acknowledged so that you can open up to the possibility of new ones and not be so di dismissive of, of the what I call the divine synchronic when you see these um, you know, serendipitous moments that mm -hmm. show you that there is absolutely magic in every breath and every heartbeat if mm -hmm. you're willing to you know, commune and connect with it. So, so what do you think that the difference, like obviously they're totally different molecules. They're also, they're called DMT, but there's not really a reason to call them both that, DMT. Someone made a mistake there somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how would you, with words, try to like differentiate the two? So if someone's asking like, hey, Bridget, what's the difference between NNDMT and 5-MeO? Mm. Is there a way to verbalize uh, mm. Well, pharmacologically, it's an oxygen molecule that differentiates them with five, and then also calling it actively saying five, five, five MEO, so that there is no um, distortion in that message because everybody knows DMT is the you know the street name for NNDMT. Mm. Uh, but uh, pharmacologically, um, yeah, they are what's apart. I I would say one is kind of moving into. Um, using geometry of a, of a triangle it's an upper trinity movement so moving into the third eye to see the soul the pituitary pineal you're, you're getting access to a 360 holographic matrix that you can start um plucking uh symbols and glyphs and colors and sensations and vibrations and then cobbling it up together you're suturing up a little pastiche that can be used i call it you know, like a lens that you can reapply in other areas of your practical day-to-day -day life so that's useful for nndmt because it, it's like a it's a laser cut precision tool uh it doesn't meander around you know it's like 15 minutes that's your shot to really bring as much back um five is the inversion of that pyramid it's like it's like it's it's taking the going into the polymorphous field that is the pinnacle of the nndmt and then there's this event horizon which is that movement or a happening that takes place when you enter 5-meo-dmt and I, I just mean i don't say that that happens uh, in any way except for if you have one or the other but it's just to describe this movement of of distinction between the molecules if you know nndmt is third eye then 5-meo-dmt is crown sacerata mm -hmm. and so the inversion of the pyramid is the uh it's it's the letting go it's the it's the dissolving of the mind body completely it's it's the the full uh, surrendering moment that you can have at a uh, high, high dose that allows you to liberate mm -hmm. yourself at last, liberate yourself from um, all the context and the narratives and the stories and the meaning. Mm -hmm. and it's just the isness, as uh, Eckhart would call it. So, 
And what about safety? Is there anyone who shouldn't be, you know, um, doing these types of medicines and um, any other like general like safety tips of like how to prepare for something like this? Like if, yeah, anyone uh, with certain mental health issues like uh, schizophrenia, bipolarism, um, things that have been already um, sensitized and, and, and stated as vulnerable can be, um, you know, cat catalyzed from an experience with uh, NNDMT or five. Five in particular, uh, you know, is if you have any heart palpitations, if you've had a, any um, issues. Um, that um, have made you physically weak in, in some way you definitely can be put at high risk because if we are talking about moving into higher doses um, this has happened uh, there are deaths on on certain people's watches it has taken place there are people there are practitioners in the field who have died who have practiced for many years and have just you know had that um, that died of awe is what I might call it because mm. I don't know how else to describe it but there are definitely some uh, physical limitations how, how rare is that is it like common or no no I wouldn't say it's nowhere near common um, but it, it, it begs the question of, of really taking um, extra precaution specifically with 5 neo DMT mm -hmm. um, if you know I'm not saying that you can't uh, OD with NNDMT but Dr. Rick Strassman's work says it's something like 75 pipelets so that would be like exorbitant amounts of mm. NNDMT that you would have to inhale which is impossible but you can take intravenously and even then it's just an overdose versus uh, dying whereas five you can die and the death with the fives heart related yep yeah okay. interesting and then like a prep like a prep integration like what what would you say to people like how do you prepare for something like that it's like and you can watch all these videos, and then I know all the videos I've ever watched, you know, just, I guess, keep you focused on what's coming up, but never really can prepare you for the experience that you're going to have. So is it just about, like, setting the intention and surrendering? Like, what would be your... Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can have intentions with, uh, with five, but it's not like, as you said earlier, it's not a journey per se. It's an activation. It resets the operating software of your biochemical electromagnetic technology so it's there's no preparing for it it's mm. just like you, there's no reference point no association uh in your memorial archive of experience to relate to it so it's a full-on trust exercise and why do you think there's this all of a sudden this huge interest in all of these psychedelics and plant medicines all again have you noticed a huge like i've seen like this crazy well, i made a documentary about but so I don't know if I'm just like looking for it, um, but have you seen like a higher demand? People like asking you to sort of sit for them, and oh yeah, yeah. And what, what do you think that's attributed to? Also, like, do you have any sort of reflections on that? I think yeah, people are uh, at a point where what they've inherited as a societal structure, the um, you know consensus that we are quote abiding to is eroding it's crumbling it's 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 all wrapped up in seeking pleasure or um you know inducing more suffering and there's a there's an innate sense within all of us uh within that divine technology that that hints and nudges that if you follow this golden thread this this middle path so to speak uh, using buddhist uh, terminologies that there's 
there's something that can be unlocked. And uh, I think when we did our um, di uh, panel that day uh, for Into the Mysterium, we, we talked about the main veins of consciousness. And I, I, I'm strong believe that veganism will be one of them and also psychedelics will be another. Mm -hmm. and, and how we um, stimulate and activate um, a deeper awareness of consciousness and that there also are cycles at the universal level mm -hmm. uh, that we're um, taking on and uh, you know we might be comparing this one to the end of a, a medieval time I think in mm -hmm. other cultures they call it the, the, the Kali Yuga which is the age of destruction we're on the tail end of that and we're moving and we're ushering in uh, the age of Aquarius or the Satya Yuga and this is the golden era so that would be la, la Renaissance in comparison in contrast to the medieval times where music and art and math and um, you know all these things were invented and innovated mm. yeah. well I guess maybe it's like your perspective on this experience collective experience we're having right now you mm. know is it like a predetermined sort of experience mm. you know and, and you know, there's the metaphor of the loaf of bread that, yeah. that you can expand upon, you know, what your perspective on that is. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, sincerely, it's, it's, it's such a juicy paradox, and I freaking love that we get to, to ride these waves, um, because there is going to be no absolutes in duality, but we can know that it's held in the container of unicity. So, um, for me, you know, what we've heard before is the chop wood carry waters our day-to-day -day practice. This is how the sovereign soul is exercised and trained and uh, strengthening through stamina, power, grace, style, integrity, dignity, and uh, compassion. Um, and so one metaphor that I found was really useful is that not only are we the, the, the whole baked loaf of bread yeah for sure that's in the in the capital t truth uh inference of oneness but the day-to-day -day practicum of that is like literally you're given the dough to work at every day now you can leave it on the counter and let it just dry out and get hard as a rock or you can go ahead and start kneading the dough kneading the dough and finding uh, a pan to place it in, watching it rise, feeling the heat, getting that, that hunger for something, but knowing that there's a period of pausing that is required because when you take the bread out, it has to cool down before you can bite into it. And then you have the option as well to, to share it with someone and to share that is how we foster this um, activation in others. I can't give you sovereignty, I can't give you integrity, but I can um, cultivate it and demonstrate it in my field so that you too can be invited into that space within yourself that you can say, hey, I like what that, you know, that girl is, is sort of uh, irradiating or emanating. I want to, you know, go ahead and start baking my bread instead of just letting it flounder there on the, on the counter every day. So that would be a metaphor that has been really useful for me to really um, claim my actionable state, mm. you know, in the process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. I think it's this last question. It was people like integration, you know, so like after the experience, mm. you know, like what, any tips, tools, suggestions, how do you like to integrate your processes? Mm. I love, I love float. Um, big, you know, uh, big ups to Jesse and the gang at Float Toronto and Big ups to you, Gio. Of course, Elemental. I loved your. I love going there. Uh, float is a huge uh, way for me to unpack and decompress. 
some of the uh, transmissions that came through, um, earthing, grounding, taking those rubber soled shoes off and, and uh, connecting to the earth and getting those uh, negative ions, um, getting your elementals. Solar is fire. Earth, uh, of course, is the you know, uh, geomagnetic energy or kundalini that you can harvest is free of charge. You just have to show up. Um, water, of course, is just like, you know, cleansing and, and nourishing and uh, gentle and and that um, la, la brisa as well, like the air that you take in. What is the quality of your breath? You know, are you checking in with your breath? Like, I think one of the, the more terms that we're going to be using in the future really um, identify one another, the awake faction of consciousness that is, is saying, are you breathing? Mm. Have you been breathing today? How's your breath been? You know, to really um, understand the, the, the golden uh, responsibility, but blessing it is. This is going to be a great idea. Instead of asking someone how they're doing, ask them how you're breathing. Yes! You're like what? Yeah. If you're breathing shallow and like uptight, it's like hey, reminder, just slow it down. Yeah. Have a breath. I like that. See if that see if that sticks. And put people into awkward like what the hell are you talking? <laughs> yeah, good. Love it. Um, Love it. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to space. Well, yeah, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for all that you do. Um, you're such a leader and um, beautiful soul. So I really appreciate you as a friend. And thank you guys too for tuning in and taking the time to listen and if you feel called um to continue to journey down that path you know just be safe do your research um you know and all your due diligence that needs to be done um when looking for someone to help sit for you or you know doing things legally and responsibly you know, depending on where you live in the world um so thanks guys Thank you for all the shares, comments, likes. Really appreciate that. And we have a free breathwork course on our website. The link is below, elementalacademy.org forward slash breath. Check that out. Totally free. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you, Quao. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful day.